Welcome to The Spilled Tea, your place for the latest on pop culture, entertainment news, and LGBT issues. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, everyone. Today is November 7th. 2021, and The Spilled Tea is live. We're going to get started, jump right into the topics. I have Joe with me. Say hello, Joe. Hi. And we have Veronica. (laughs) Say hello, Veronica. Hello. And I am your moderator, Emmy Morgan. Before we get started, I just want to announce the topics that we're talking about and apologize for the late show. Uh, Again, some things came up, so we had to have a little bit of a late show. We're going to talk about the historic election race that just happened. Uh, We're going to talk about Cal Penn and his major announcement. And also, do we really think that COVID will ever end? Before we get started, let's do a little catch up. How was everybody's week? Veronica, how was your um, week and your weekend? Busy, so tired. <laughs> yeah, I saw you're doing Model uh, Majority again. Yeah, so we're having our first live show since the pandemic started. So, like, oh, it was like it's been two years since we did a live sketch comedy show. It's like crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping people will come because, you know, it's still COVID. It didn't go away, but at least now it's mandatory vaccinations for indoors and masking. So, at least we don't have to, like, fight with people about that. But um, So give us some so, quick uh, info on the live show. Yeah, so it's next Saturday, November 13th, 7 p.m. ET, uh, at the Pit Loft in New York City. Um, before the pandemic, we had a, a residency um, at the Pit, but at their larger theater. But because of COVID, they closed the bigger theater down, and now they just have the smaller theater. But... um. It's all, all this comedy is going to be movie related because, you know, representation of Asians in film and TV is not always the best. I mean, it's better than it was, but it's still like Asians expected to do like Kung Fu and martial arts, you know? So I just want to do a movie night where we have different sketches um, where we're doing different genres, ones that we would not normally get cast. I do like a generic like Sundance film and I'm writing a Pride and Prejudice you know, for example, we have the sound of music thing we're doing, musical number. Like, there's a whole. It's gonna be really, really cool and really fun. It's been fun, like filming some of the pre-taped sketches, uh, and we're gonna have live sketches. So hopefully, people can come. So that's and yeah, it's been very busy doing that. And then I think last week we talked before the Halloween trick or treaters came. Uh, mm. so that was like interesting because you know with pandemic last year like nobody came or like it was very like targeted but this year I feel like people are like super lax there were like people around their fire pits in the neighborhood my parents neighborhood like everyone seemed to have a fire pit I was like oh it's gonna fire pits the next year because everybody it was it seemed like more adults were partying because they were just so happy like to be able to like <laughs> meet up with their friends and drink their suburban wine and like let their right. kids run, run there was loose. a lot of trunk or treat too just yeah, you know. like it's so crazy, but it's just funny. Like in my friends and I, we just like set out tables, 
and then people can mm-hmm. grab, the kids can grab. It's just funny because, like, the young yep. kids with the parents so polite. They just take one. We're like, no, you can take more. And the teenagers, like, unsupervised at the end, come and, like, take everything <laughs> and clean it up. Because usually <laughs> so in my parents' neighborhood, we're like, oh, we have all this leftover candy, you know. But this year, I think people are just so happy to be out and finally get to celebrate Halloween properly. They're, like, just, they were, like, parting it up and, like, we were, like, completely cleaned out. But, you know, being who I am and candy, I made sure to buy Halloween candy for myself and not for the kids. <laughs> just, just in case uh, there was any leftover. I still had to have my, you know, Reese's Peanut Butter Pumpkin <laughs> shaped treats, so. so that was very delicious. So I've been eating that throughout the week. And Joe, what did, um, what did you do for the past week and how was your weekend? Um, so uh, last weekend I, I somehow managed to avoid any of the trick-or-treating shenanigans altogether. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, it was a relatively quiet week, busy, I mean, busy with work and all that good stuff. Um, but nothing too crazy. And then this weekend I got to, uh, you know, just spend some, some quiet time with the wife and, um, you know, and just hang out, spend some QT with her. So it was uh, all in all, good week, good week in, uh, in review. Hmm. With me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, <laughs> shut up, Joe. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Is, is this, is, are we talking about you and your friend? Your new friend? That's what's happening? I have a... <laughs> No, look I'm how sorry, you are. Yes. That's juicy. The reason why it's funny is because, number one, I never did this in high school. I've never had, like, a boyfriend in high school. I never had a boyfriend in college. I kind of had a boyfriend out of college, but it never lasted. I mean, like, one or two months. And there's been just... I've been dating somebody recently, and we hung out this weekend, and it was fun. <laughs> I hate you, Joe. Um, that's it. Is this why we're having Shut a meeting, <laughs> It sure is, Veronica. Veronica. It sure is. <laughs> Veronica, you didn't need to call me out like that. <laughs> I thought we were friends. Listen. All in good fun. Um, Yes, it is good fun. No, um, another thing I did, which I forgot to ask both of you, I did get some good viewing in besides my man friend. Um, I finished the Kaminsky Method. I watched season two and three, and the third one was its final season. If you like Michael Douglas, you have to watch this show. It is so good. And if you don't know what it is, really quickly, it's about – Michael Douglas plays Sandy Kaminsky. The Kaminsky method is his way of acting. He he's, goes from an actor to an acting teacher in his later life. And it's all about him running an acting studio, his friends. He's friends with Alan Arkin, his best friend, his Italian agent, his ex-wife, get this, Kathleen Turner. And she makes an appearance in season three. Yes, she's a bigger woman now because, you know, she gained a lot of weight during her um, drug addiction, and she's over that now. And I love the fact 
that even after all, like, people slamming her for her weight and her voice, Michael Douglas said, I'm still friends with her and I'm going to have her on the show. And the chemistry between those two is still there. And you could just, it just pops off the screen. It doesn't matter what weight she is. It doesn't matter what her voice sounds like. The chemistry between those two is still there. I'm telling you right now. I was like, oh, my God, these two, they still got it. And um, it was really good. It was really good. Ten episodes each season. They go quick because they're like 21 minutes each. You guys will love it. Trust me. It's a comedy. It's funny. Um, I've watched two Brittany Murphy specials, one on IDTV and one on HBO Max. They both run in tandem. Like, one of them tells a story and the other one fills it in. They're both really good. Um, It's crazy to me that this woman died at 30 years old because of mold in her house. Um, Wow. It's just nuts. It's just nuts. And then the husband and then the mother. It's just a crazy story. You guys need to watch it. It just it's so eye opening. Some of the things that you didn't know were just like blow your mind. The biggest thing that happened this weekend, other than the you know what, um <laughs> shut up, Joe. I hate him. Um I saw the Eternals movie twice. Yay! Uh, <laughs> I had I'm to like, watch not, it twice. I'm dying to see it. First of all, one of my friends is in the movie. His name is Haz Salim. He is literally in the movie. And I had to see it for him, number one. But then the second time, and I want to tell everybody this, there are two end credit scenes. One towards the middle of the credits and another one at the very end of the, the credits. And I missed the first one. So I was like, to my nephew, I'm like, are you busy right now? Do you want to go see the Eternals again? Um, It is two hours and 36 minutes. Angelina Jolie is phenomenal in it. She is so good. Like, she's back. I feel like she left acting for a bit and went into directing. She's back. This cast is the most diverse cast I have ever seen. Salma Hayek is, is... basically the leader. Uh, Richard Madden is in it. He's Scottish. Uh, What's his name? Um, You know who I'm talking about. He's Indian. um, Oh, come on, I'm done. Oh, my God. Yes, he's in it. I've always had a crush. Yeah, I'm watching it for him Um, and Gemma Chan. Gemma Chan is in it. The the other guy that, oh, what's that Asian guy's name? Um, I can't remember his name. He He's really good in it and funny. Uh, there's a deaf woman. The first deaf superhero is in it. And Brian Tyree, is it Brian Tyree Smith? He plays, Henry, um, Henry, sorry. Oh my God, I'm so bad. He plays uh, a black gay superhero and he's married with a kid. And so many, like, first in this movie, but what really gets me really angry about this movie is that there is a full-on, basically love scene in this movie with two heterosexual people. 
And the one scene that is getting Disney in hot water and getting this movie banned overseas is the gay kiss. That's a peck, literally a peck between two husbands who have a kid. Saudi Arabia and other Eastern Indian countries are banning this freaking movie over a gay kiss. Literally, it's a peck. Like, I'm, I'm not understanding it. <laughs> like, it's so much more meaningful, that kiss, um, over the even straight sex scene because there's so much emotion behind that even peck kiss. And I'm just not understanding why they're whatever. Anyway, um, it was so good. I saw it twice. Let you know. And Gemma is amazing. And fun fact: this is Gemma's second Marvel movie. Her first Marvel movie, she was fully painted up, head to toe, in Captain Marvel, and she played a bad person in Captain Marvel. So just to let you all know. Um, but yeah. Such a good movie. Highly recommend it. Salma is amazing. Uh, Richard Madden is amazing. Um, Don Lee, that's his name. Don Lee is so funny in this movie. Oh, my gosh. Um, yes, that was the big That was the big thing that I, well, one of the big things that I did this weekend. Oh, my God. Um, Is that a Freudian slip? So, anyways, uh, Veronica, did you have any time to... uh, I hate Joe. Uh, Did you have any time to watch anything? I mean, I barely had time, but um, I did... I was, like, on a Halloween kick, so we talked Mm -hmm. about Hocus Pocus last time. Did I talk about Muppets Haunted Mansion last time? I can't remember. But uh, I definitely, like, since... Yeah, so... I love the Muppets, and so the mm-hmm. Haunted Mansion was just, it's you know, it's not the greatest writing, but it's so much fun. It's just pure joy. <laughs> like, I love yeah. the Muppets version of anything. So, like, now that, like, mm-hmm. Halloween is over, I'm excited for a Muppets Christmas Carol because it's my favorite Christmas Carol. Aw. It's, like, so, yeah. it's just so adorable. I'm really so excited highly for all the Charlie Brown movies, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I love those, too. I love all of them, like, yeah. And then, uh, uh, yeah, so continuing the Halloween, I was like, I saw, finally saw Beetlejuice. And I'm sorry, like, did you say I wa- finally saw? Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's, it's like an old movie. So, like, uh, but then I, like, got an audition for the Broadway musical Beetlejuice. And then it was Halloween, so then, like, I had to, I had to watch it. I guess I'm and the movie is like, very different the than the musical. Finally saw. Like, finally. <laughs> You've never seen it before? I don't remember ever seeing it. What the hell? What is going on right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, anyway. Well, what did you think on first view? Like, what was your thoughts when you saw it? It was just weird to see, like, these famous people. And it's not yeah. the greatest film in the world, but, like, I just <clears throat> love all the, like, the, like unique characters. Sacrilege. You know, the Tim Burton world. Like, uh, wow. like I love all the costumes and the like, the, whatever the special effects or practical effects. Like the, like the world is so much fun. Like that's the movie I would love mm-hmm. to have been in. I would love to be in the Broadway musical too. Like it's, I love Tim Burton. Like the style of it, like this dark quirkiness. 
But I'm like, but I'm like, oh my god, it's Alec Baldwin, which was like very weird yeah. to see him playing this like yeah. young nerdy guy, especially with you know yep. everything going on with the rest set with them having you know that whole thing. So it's mm-hmm. like weird, like how he how far he has fallen. <laughs> so Oop. that was weird. Of course, mm-hmm. I love Gina, da- Gina Davis. She's amazing and everything. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And I love Winona Ryder. She's so good in that role. And of course, Michael Keaton. Is there anybody better? I don't know. This is I mean, she is just how so different funny. it is. Oh mm-hmm. my god, he's so good. It's like ridiculous everything he does. Uh, he's also my favorite Batman. I think she does play a like. bad, like a good bad guy. Like even in the Spider-Man movie as Vulture, I'm like, he had this line where his character figured out. Peter was Spider-Man, and the way he looked at him and talked to him, I was like, "You're deliciously evil." It was, it was such a good, yeah. He's, he's a great actor. He's like one of the best, yeah, especially character actors, like so good. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it yeah, was interesting like, how different the musical is from the movie, though. I feel like he's a better character actor than he is a leading actor, because I mean, obviously Birdman was good or whatever, but. I don't know. I feel like he gives more of a performance when he's like a character actor, kind of like Beetlejuice. I don't know. That's just my opinion. It just seemed like he was but... having a lot of fun being Beetlejuice. Yes. Where, I don't yes. know if he's always having fun in like the more like leading series role. But I mean, he's still good in, as a lead too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I just like, oh, I wish I could be in a movie like that. It just looked like so much fun to film. And I mm-hmm. loved all the costumes. Like, Oh, and also Catherine uh, O'Hare, Schitt's Creek. I like I, I kind of knew, but I was like, in that like mm-hmm. hair where like there's like a squiggle on the side of her cheek, <laughs> and her like weird artwork <laughs> that like trying to kill people. It was amazing. <laughs> that dinner scene is iconic. Iconic. Oh my god, I wanted to do it so bad. Oh, that seemed like a dream. And there was an Asian yeah. woman there, for, and it didn't have to be Asian, yep. which was amazing. I'm like. Why don't we cast like yep. that anymore? Why does it have to be like now as like half the Asian? But like there was no reference to it. I mean, she still was weird. Yeah, as Tim Burton. Weird, very weird. But I was like, you know, I don't Otho. understand why we can't do that anymore. But that would have been a great role too. Yes. She's very, um, she was fun. But she was like a female version of Otho. Her and Otho were like two peas in a pod. Otho was hilarious. Otho made that movie. If it was called Beetlejuice. It should have been called Beetlejuice plus Otho because he was so funny. He was oh, what a good what a good movie. I'm glad you finally saw it. Apparently, um, you haven't memorized. <laughs> I I don't even know how many times I've seen that movie. It's, it has it's been a while, but I love it. I love everything about that movie, except it's like the perfect Halloween does, movie. The the finger eyeballs that part creeped me out. I don't know why. That's hilarious. I, I, I it creeped me out. It still does. But well, that sounds like a good list of things that you saw. <laughs> not, not I really too want much, to but yeah, it was really good. It's long. I'm not I mean, gonna lie to you. It was worth. I'm just glad it's doing well because it's got you know my Asians in it, directed by Chloe Zhao mm-hmm. Asian. So very yeah. excited for it. You don't have to have seen the other movies to understand it, but they do reference the other Marvel movies, especially Endgame. It does reference the blip, and 
that's a huge part of the movie. So I, I, I just loved it. I love Marvel over DC. Just to let you know. Um, so I guess we'll talk to Joe or whatever. Um, what, what, what did you watch, Joe? Like, I care. But. Um, I, I have to say that Beetlejuice is, 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 a, is like a must for Halloween. And I'm yeah. thoroughly surprised that this is the first time that, um, that you've seen it, Veronica. But um, I didn't see Hocus Pocus I, either. I just like, those are like old movies. Eh. Yeah. But that's very I mean, Halloween, that movie. Yeah, it is. That is, that is, it is. But mm-hmm. I will say that um, Beetlejuice is like one of my favorites. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's right up there with Edward Scissorhands for classic Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. And you could see the you could see the flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you could see the flavor of how his movies played out. Like you could almost you could almost get a sense from some of the stuff that was happening in Beetlejuice mm-hmm. of like how he developed Batman and the mm-hmm. the visual effects that he used in Batman. Um, even some of like the color schemes were very similar. So it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and and I and I did watch it. I did watch it. Uh, with uh, with my wife and and my stepdaughter, so it was uh, it's worth it. It's what's one of those it's one of those classic movies that is a bit silly but still good. <laughs> yeah, agreed. So, what did you end up watching? Anything? Um, I did end up going to see Venom. Okay. Uh, I went I went and saw that with my son, and I thought it was entertaining. Yeah. You know, is it a great movie? No, no. But um, you know, it's one of those movies where it's one of those those characters that uh, that I enjoyed from the comics. So, you know, I'm glad they I'm glad they did a better job than Spider Man Three with it. Um, both both <laughs> versions of <laughs> both Venom movies were far better than than that third Spider Man. That was absolute <laughs> absolute garbage. But um, other than that, still Agreed. catching up on uh, finishing up Boardwalk Empire. I'm almost done with that and still just picking away at Sopranos. I mm-hmm. did get a chance to watch The Comey Rule. What would you think? Um, I, I thought it was good. Um, there were parts of it, obviously, that I felt were, I want to say misrepresentative of, of what actually mm-hmm. happened, but there were parts of it that I felt were... Um, they glossed over some stuff, but they did a decent job of at least kind of showing, you know, the process and how some things had happened and trying to abbreviate it basically through the lens of, of Jim Comey. And I thought that was pretty interesting, but there was, um, the one thing at the end of it, I I didn't, I I didn't feel hopeful at the end of it, I guess is, uh, Mm -hmm. which maybe was the intent of it. But, um, I definitely felt like this, sense of dread <laughs> at the end of it that I, I was hoping wouldn't happen. Um, but that's, that's kind of where I left, left off with it. Um, you know, they, they, they do a good job of painting a certain picture and, um, and showing the adversarial relationship that he had with pretty much with everybody in, in kind of a weird way, but especially with Trump. Um, so it was interesting to watch. It was interesting to see it from that perspective. And, um, you know, it's one of those those um, series that I feel like they could have done they could have done more if they had made it longer. But 
doing it as short as they did, I think it was only four episodes, doing it that short probably was the right way to do it to, you know, to kind of tell the tale and, and just um, give the, the, the simplest version so that, uh, so it's palatable for the masses. And that's yeah, I, um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I will say I concluded the, um, American crime story impeachment, which is also political. Um, it reminded me, it, it, for me, it was parallel with the Comey rule where there was a lot of um, stuff that I didn't understand at first, but now I get, and I kind of feel bad. Like, I kind of feel bad for James Comey. Like, I get that he can, you know, write a book now and teach. But, like, to Joe's point, I felt like, God, it's so, like, bleak. And his family went through shit, and his poor daughters had to be, like, totally harassed at school by all this. And the Saturday Night Live skits and all that other stuff. And it's the same with, like, I will never 100% feel bad for Linda Tripp. But can you imagine having people make fun of your weight and make fun of your looks? And she had said, you know, I've been made fun of all my life. I didn't expect it. It was going to happen when I became an adult. And I just felt bad. I really did. So... Yeah, I, I love the Comey rule. I thought it was so well done. And I just, I didn't know about James Comey, so I was glad to watch it. But. Yeah. Um, speaking of political figures, uh, the amazing Cal Penn, who actually was in the White House for the Obama administration, I'll, I'm going to say it, out of nowhere... <laughs> came out and was like, oh, I'm engaged to my boyfriend, Josh. And we're like, congratulations. Wait, you're gay? Um, I, I don't know about the two of you, but I was shocked. Not because of any other reason. And I don't know. I think this is how we grew up, Joe. Whenever I meet a person, if, and I'm going to be blunt and honest and say it. If you aren't flamboyantly gay, I won't think you're gay. And I know that makes no sense, but how I grew up is, you know, I, for the longest time, was the only gay person that I knew. And so when I saw somebody else, I would meet them as, you know, whatever. And then, oh, yeah, I'm gay. I'm like, wait, what? This is why I don't have gaydar, folks because of how I grew up. Um, so I was pretty shocked. You laugh, but am I right in my complete and utter breakdown of that, though? Come on. Like, I can't um, tell. That's fair. Thank you. That's fair. Backs me up on one point. Um, I was a little shocked by Cal, and I was a little angry by Cal Nuts, because... I guess I was more angry because of some of the, I hate to put so much on public figures, but sometimes when a public figure comes out, especially because he was 
so big with the whole, you know, Harold and Kumar. Imagine if Kumar was played by an openly gay actor. Would that make it a little bit easier for people to not make fun of gay people anymore? I I mean, I know I'm being nitpicky or whatever, but I don't know. I just, I feel kind of like with when Veronica highlights Asian representation, the more we normalize it, the more it's not going to be a problem anymore. I don't know. That's just my thought. What were your thoughts, uh, Joe, when you heard the announcement of Cal Penn? Well, so that, that, I think that brings up the, a good point when you say, you know, normalizing situations. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly, clearly he wasn't in a position where he felt comfortable in, mm. in speaking that truth at whatever time, you know, we may feel like it might have been appropriate. And for him right. to now say, you know, hey, here's what's going on in my life. I'm, I'm comfortable telling people about what I'm experiencing and what's going on in my life right now in a context that I may not have been in a position or felt comfortable about mm-hmm. doing before. I mean, you know, that, that I think that's, that's the thing where we're, we're still not at a point where, um, right. where people can own that. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, they can own that truth in the moment that it, it, you know, it, it occurs to them. And I think that that's, you know, that's something where, it's unfortunate, obviously, that, you know, that this was something that he, in his experience, he just kind of, you know, he just kind of lived, um, you know, uh, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, secret life that he was living. And, um, but at the same time, I think it's, I, I think it's good that, you know, that he's, he's had the opportunity now to kind of put himself out there and give mm-hmm. people an opportunity to know, to know him, uh, you know, as more, you know, genuine version of himself. And I think that's a good thing. I, I think it's always a good thing when, when people are able to, um, you know, to communicate that and feel comfortable enough in their own skin to be able to, to talk about who they are. Yeah. And they've been dating for I'm 11 years. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 and maybe, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe he's already had that conversation with his inner mm. circle. Maybe he's already had that conversation yeah. with those people that are closest to him. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I'm not one to judge when someone, you know, feels that it's their time to make something public. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I reserve, I reserve judgment for my own, you know, decisions on what I, you know, what I disclose and, you know, whether it's social media mm-hmm. or what, you know, to whoever. So I think, you know, I think it's important that, you know, that we, uh, you know, we take it with a grain of salt in terms of him being able to communicate that the way that he felt comfortable. True. That's true. And I I didn't disclose. I didn't, what? I said, I ain't mad at you, Cal. Um, I didn't disclose being trans until almost, like, I made the decision December 24th. December 1st, 2014, but I came out August 1st, 2015. And I just felt like I needed that time to get adjusted to it myself, tell all the right people. So I guess I should. Yeah, I guess I see your point there. Yeah. Think of how, think of how long, it, long of an arc it took for you yeah. to be comfortable enough to, to yeah. present this, you know, to, to the world, let alone, you know, just, mm-hmm. just understanding it yourself. I mean, it's, 
you know, yeah. obviously if he's been in a relationship for 11 years, I'm reasonably certain he understood who he was and, you know, what his, you know, his, uh, you know, his, uh, his, 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 you know, interests were in, in terms of, you know, um, you know, relationships. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, it, I think it, it takes a lot for people to, uh, to reconcile in certain situations it takes a lot to reconcile how this is going to impact those things, especially as, you know, someone who's an, who's an actor. Um, how does it impact you when you are, you know, Harold and Kumar, you're, 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 you're this, this character that this, you know, this, this actor who plays these specific characters, does it change mm. what your career is going to look like? Um, and it's not necessarily fair, but at the same time, um, you know, I think a lot of people take that into consideration and, and try to be, you know, somewhat thoughtful about those situations when they know it could ultimately affect their ability to earn a living. You know what? Before I get to Veronica, I actually was talking to an openly gay actor, and he said to me, point blank, before I came out, I was able to get those romantic leading men roles. Since I've come out as gay, I'm not getting those roles anymore. So I guess I understand it that way, too. But, you know, if you look back at um, Cal's career, he never really had that leading man role. Like, I think, yeah, well, designated survivor, he did have a love interest, a girl love interest. That's true. But he, he never, like, struck me as a leading man. I don't know. Whatever. Um, Veronica, what were your thoughts when, when Cal announced his engagement I mean I was impressed that he was able to keep it secret for a decade <laughs> in Hollywood but like what the, no yeah. rumors whatsoever yeah wow. was impressive. and then like you know True. I was happy for people to get married if they're in love and whatever mm-hmm. unless they're like both mm-hmm. evil and then you don't want the spawn in the world but he seems nice and <laughs> partner seems nice and mm-hmm. I don't know, him being gay or not doesn't really, I just needed to not, Affect not John Cho be mm-hmm. gay because he's going to be my future husband in a movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I'm like, he's married and there's Arasio. We can't forget him. So, yeah. I know, but have you seen the <laughs> Cowboy Bebop trailer? Come on. Thank no. Hair. He needs to be my husband in a future movie. Um, but, but I, I just always think it's, thought it's, 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 it's cute. I just, it's just funny to me about um that he's Harold and Kumar with Neil Patrick Harris also playing yeah straight yeah so I don't so I love all these people with their panties in a bunch because it just cracks me up that these people are playing like like these like misogynist you know kind of type of people and then turns out they weren't interested in that different they were interested in different team at the time so I kind of want them to remake Harold and Kumar with like those characters they're working being on out gay. another movie just to let he said I know but I top. want a version where they're, they're where they're gay oh my god girl that would <laughs> would be fun I mean John already played gay in Star Trek and that was huge um that was a huge moment I don't know I think they could do Kumar's gay that would be fun and Neil Patrick Harris know. is gay, too. True, true. Kirk. That last movie, though, it's crazy. Um, 
That's the same. Like the other Harold Kumars, like that last one, the Guantanamo Bay, whatever. That was awful. I couldn't even finish that. So I'm like, maybe you need to change it. Yeah. Do something a little fresh. And um, sticking with the political type theme, what a historic election. Holy moly. I was like shocked. Um, I was shocked in good ways and bad ways. Um, One thing that really ticked me off a little bit was that Minnesota rejected police reform. Like, your state is the state that started this whole entire movement last year, and you don't want police reform? I thought that was a little weird. Um, That didn't sit well for me. But we mentioned Michelle Wu on this show, and she won. She's the first, not only the first female mayor of Boston, but she's the first Asian American. Uh, I, I'm shocked and happily surprised. Uh, two big, two big ticket things for me. Like one very bad and one really amazing. Um, Veronica, what did you think of some of the historic elections, and what stuck out for you? Well, my parents live in Virginia, and uh, when I went to their neighborhood mm-hmm. and, like, I saw all the young signs, I knew it was going to go that way. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't surprised by the rules. I know people were, like, really upset, but, I like, I could tell based mm-hmm. on, like, how it is. Because with my parents' neighborhood, they're not particularly, like, conservative, you know? But also, like, in Virginia, mm-hmm. they, they typically, like, could do opposite party of what's in power, you know, mm-hmm. especially if, you know, the economy's not that great, you know? So I, I wasn't yeah. surprised. But um, I was excited by all the Asian Americans running for office and winning. So, like, Michelle Wu in Boston. Uh, I forget the other names, but um, five city council members in New York City. Uh, Seattle and Cincinnati mayors are also Asian Americans. So, very excited about that. Mm -hmm. I was like, go. We're changing, slowly but surely. Let's just hope we don't regress. Um, Joe, what did you think of all the history that was made? Um, I mean, obviously, I think it's, it goes without saying that, you know, we, we shouldn't even have to have a conversation where, mm-hmm. you know, that, that we're, we're surprised or we're excited that um, someone who is not, you know, uh, an old white male it wins an election. <laughs> um I think, I think I think it goes without saying that, you know, any again any opportunity for change and positive change and, and you know fair and equal representation is a good thing. Um, you know, I think Virginia is, is a sad harbinger of what to expect in the coming months and the coming mm. you know for the coming election cycle. Unfortunately, um, I think mm. most people look at you know, some of these mayoral races and some of these local races as a positive sign, but there's a lot of, of um, you know, there's a lot of pushback at this point. And, you know, to to kind of counter the, the economy is not in good shape for the average consumer or for, you know, for, for, you know, for, it's a mixed bag for most of us, because if you own real estate, 
your value of your property went up, but you have to mm-hmm. pay so much more for gas or for consumer goods that, you know, who really cares unless you sell your house today, um, which, you know, is a, is a gift and a curse. So um, I think, you know, we're in, a, we're in a weird place in the economy because, because of COVID. And I think there have, there have been a, a lot of positive things that have, you know, changed in the economy and there's a lot of negative. I mean, the service industry has been decimated, you know, employers, and this is just from my own personal experience, employers are having a very difficult time filling roles and keeping people um, because employees are, um, they're able to essentially go wherever they want and, um, and demand whatever wages they want because wages have increased significantly over the past year and a half. So, it's a it's a brave new world, um, and I think the the political uh, you know ramifications of still trying to understand what's you know what's happening and how all these things are impacting um, impacting us as a as a general rule. It's um, I think it's going to be a big shock over the next couple of years with a lot of the elections that happen, which is almost always the case where people end up pushing back or you have less interest in a race um, or less interest in, in midterms and you see the, um, the turnout really having a big impact on whether or not some of these, you know, these candidates that are not your, you know, old white men, um, you know, they, they, they'll, they'll struggle a little bit more in those scenarios because of, uh, you know, because of the, the trends that are happening politically right now. So I think there are some good things that you can observe from, from you know, the election day, but um, I also feel like it's a harbinger of things to come and, and not all of it necessarily suits my liking, but I think that's that's kind of the, the cliched phrase of uh, elections have consequences and, you know, mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we have to be conscientious of in terms of, you know, making sure that you support your candidates, get out there, and um, and do your part and vote, so that way you don't have uh, you don't have anything on the table. You're not you're not complaining about the uh, the awful state of affairs and not having done anything about it. Agreed. Before we get to our last topic, you had mentioned COVID, and I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, I just want to ask you to debunk something that a lot of people don't seem to understand. And I'm going to ask this question, and I'm asking, I'll ask it to both of you. Does the President of the United States have anything to do with gas prices, if they go up or down? Joe, can you, can you answer that? So almost invariably, every, every president has to go through this conversation and has uh-huh. to somehow defend, defend their record on this. Um, there's a there's a couple ways that the president does have an impact on gas prices, you know, mm-hmm. in a roundabout way, and by and large, the president has nothing to do with gas prices. Um, mm-hmm. You know, first of all, one one of the things that is 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 the the an impact that the president can have is their policies on things like offshore drilling, you know, environmental causes that prevent fracking. Um, you know, stopping something like the Keystone Pipeline, those things have a minimal impact in, in certain ways. Um, what it what it does is it creates a, a climate of, um, of of skittishness amongst 
the powers that be in, in terms of, you know, the major oil producers. And major oil producers are the ones that have to sell their product to refineries. Refineries then have to turn it into gas. And, you know, and, and there's this whole, you know, there's, there's this whole economy that happens to, you know, from, from where it comes from the ground to when it gets to the pump. And the president has some minimal impact on that. Um, OPEC, which is the oil producing, uh, uh, I want to say the oil producing economic countries or something like that, um, which is like a conglomerate of Middle Eastern countries that mm-hmm. essentially, you know, kind of dictate terms of, of what the price looks like for oil um, globally, because there's so much oil in the Middle East and they are the largest producers. Um, they have, I don't want to say they have full control, but they have a, a, probably an oversized amount of control over oil prices in general. So not, not to, you know, to go down a complete rabbit hole, but um, there's, a, there's a dynamic in, in how those oil prices then translate to gas prices. And if the price of oil mm-hmm. per barrel goes up, then theoretically it is uh, a cost that is passed on to consumers. Again, largely the president doesn't have much of an impact on that, but there are some minor levers of, of control that the president can impact and, and therefore have a minimal, uh, a minimal impact on, uh, on gas prices. At the end of the day, every single president goes through this. Gas prices go up, mm-hmm. they go down. You know, prices during Obama's administration were at a, you know, bottomed out, and then they went up, and you know, same with Trump's administration. They went down, they went up, and, and of course, people want to tout when the gas prices are low and saying, oh, look, you know, my, my president did this. And when gas right. prices go up, they're like, oh, your, your president is shit because look how high gas prices are. And it really is just something that, you know, is, is such a nebulous concept in general for, you know, the average consumer. They just worry about what they have to pay at the pump, and it's hard for them to, to really dissect why that's the case. And naturally, mm-hmm. the inclination is to point to the to the one person who is supposed to be in charge of it all, the 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 one who's, you know, where, who's always saying the buck stops here. It's it's the president, right? And also, it has to do with the time of the year. Typically, in the summertime, it's high, and then in the winter, it's lower. And because it's not lower right now, people are like, oh, well, it's got to be the president's fault. <laughs> Right. Well, also pandemic okay. too, because it was low mm-hmm. during Trump because no one was driving because exactly. everybody was at home. Mm-hmm. And also now with the you know the focus on the electric, so the you know mm-hmm. there's less demand. Like I know like two of my siblings are getting electric cars, so yeah. that's going to also increase the prices of gas because people are moving away from that. Plus, with the the infrastructure bill that basically rewards people for for going electric that's where everybody's going so yeah there's like a yeah, yeah a, a extra benefit so so that's mm-hmm. why they're like doing it and now there's even, and still like taxes. a high benefit mm-hmm. yep yep um good i'm glad we settled that so that now people understand it's really not the president's fault when the gas prices go up or down um yeah yep. I mean, they can do have policies so, that can affect it, you know, but right. in general, it's really not all of them. It's multiple things. Exactly. The last topic, major topic that I want to talk about was COVID. Um, I just want to ask a very direct question. I, I wanted this question because 
I got told at my work that we're still not going back full time, which of course I love, but I was like thinking to myself, is COVID ever going to go away? Is this our new normal? Because I know that even places that have a mask um, recommendation, I'm still putting my mask on. There are other people that don't because for whatever reason they don't want it. But I just don't know. I don't know if this might be a – I feel like I'll be 100% honest. In my opinion, I feel like this is the new normal. This is how we're going to be for quite some time. Veronica, what do you think? Do you think COVID will Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm like – well, the thing is, it could have, but we have morons mm-hmm. out there saying, like, you know, I don't, I, my body, I'm not going to get vaccinated, even though I'm going to, like, keep spreading this disease around forever, you know? And mm-hmm. luckily, we have, like, people, you were know, at 70% vaccination, but it's still, like, it's still going to be around because people are being careless and don't care, or, like, not taking it seriously. I, like, went to the, like, park the other day. Someone spray-painted mm-hmm. COVID is not real. So, <laughs> as long as this information is going around... <sighs> Uh, Aaron Rodgers is lying about getting vaccinated. Like, pe- there's so many oh people that are keeping us from moving ahead. Like, they put a chart out of South Korea versus U.S. and U.K. South Korea got control mm-hmm. of it because they actually followed every uh, pandemic remediation. So, like, they were able to, like, basically control it. And then there's U.S. and U.K. spiking, skyrocketing <laughs> into the sky because we have so many idiots that just, like, want to drag this out. And it's funny because the people that are getting COVID, some of them are breakthrough cases at this point. But then the other people that are getting COVID, the second group, are the people that are actually dying from COVID are typically the people that are, eh, COVID isn't real. Every time I look up, somebody who was an anti-vax, a strong anti-vaxxer, had COVID and then died from it. And I'm like, what the heck? Or they're a strong anti-vaxxer. They got COVID and they're like, oh, guys, I was mistaken. It is real. So it's like, how about we just get on board and just do this so that we can knock this out? And it makes me wonder, what happened when polio broke out? Were people like, my body, my choice? Like, I wonder, I want a glimpse into what, what it was like during There were time. some people that were like it, like that. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, they, it did anyway. kill a lot of them, so. A lot. Joe, but what are your eventually, thoughts? you know, think... we were vaccinated okay. against it and people got rid of it, you know. Right, right. And now we have the vaccine but... that's, like, mandatory for kids that go into school and everything, but. Suddenly, they don't want to believe this vaccine. Um, whatever. Joe, what are your thoughts? So, um, COVID, COVID is not going away anytime soon. That's mm. sad to say. Um, you know, partly because, you know, as, as we've said and, and we continue to say, there, there's too much resistance for, um, you know, for people that are, are not willing to get the vaccine or who are not willing to, uh, to, to wear masks in certain situations, there's a lot of resistance to that. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, there's a reason why 
there's requirements for childhood vaccinations to go into public schools mm-hmm. with very few limitations, you know, with very few exceptions. Um, and it's because this is this is not the first time that this has happened where people have been mm-hmm. resistant to getting a vaccine that could potentially help and that could prevent um, you know, widespread disease. Um, this is, you know, obviously a, a much more politically charged argument and politically charged environment that has enabled this to become this rallying cry of my body, my choice, which is ironic that people that people want to say my body, my choice in certain situations, but they don't feel it mm-hmm. applies to all situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so the irony there is not lost on most of us that watch it and say, you know, why not just either they're going to allow autonomy or not. But um, that aside, mm-hmm. I think, you know, this OSHA rule that they just um, po- they just uh, passed or just released, I should say, um, requiring employers uh, over 100 em- uh, with over 100 employees to require either vaccination or weekly testing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's I, I think, you know, it's already being challenged in court. It's already it's already been put on pause because the Fifth Circuit has said, you know, we think it's unconstitutional and um so there's going to be legal challenges to it. I don't know how those end up holding up. Um, the concern that I have is, again, that if it gets to the Supreme Court and you've got this extremely conservative Supreme Court looking at, you know, if this is something that is, you know, my body, my choice, again, the hypocritical nature of a body that is actively working to overturn Roe v. Wade is not lost on anyone. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think, you know, I think we're we're at a we're at a point where, People have, you know, have largely thrown up their hands and they're either they either fall on one side of the argument or the other. And I think unless there is a a forced vaccination, you know, similar to, you know, the requirements for for childhood vaccinations, um, I think you're going to continue to see this this linger and it's going to linger in so many other places where they don't even have access to, to vaccines at the level mm-hmm. that we do here in the United States, that we're, we're going to be dealing with this for some time. There's a reason, you know, why travel is, is such a, a tenuous um, activity. And it's just, it's not something that, um, that I, I think we're, we're willing to take a hard look at and say, you know, do we really want things to get back to as close to what they were before and, and whatever normal is? Um, or do we, you know, do we largely just want to continue to resist um, for the sake of resisting. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And it sounds so weird, but I will um, explain myself. I love things the way they are. I love the fact that during the pandemic, I could go to the movies, grab two tickets for me and my nephew, and have the two seats next to us blocked off. I loved it. I love going to a restaurant and not having somebody sit exactly next to me. You know what I mean? I, I like this personal space. And when they reopened theaters and allowed people to sit next to us, it freaked me out because I feel like that is my new normal now. I don't want anybody sitting next to me. I never wanted anybody sitting next to me. And I more so don't want it now um again i love working from home and 
The only thing I don't like is I don't like the fact that this is so stupid. Seeing people smile. Like when I maybe maybe you guys do it in the Asian culture. Maybe you don't. I'm not sure. I know in the black culture, if you see another black person walking down the street, nine times out of ten, you get a nod and a smile. And I miss that. And it's so stupid and it's so little, but I miss that. So, um, yeah. I'm stupid sometimes, I guess. Well, anyway. It's the, human, it's the human component. That's that, that's the, yeah. the, the, the biggest thing I think that, that COVID has really forced us to reconcile is, you know, how important human connection is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had already been in a, in a world that had been, you know, kind of transitioning towards, towards disconnected communication and disconnected relationships with social media and the Internet age really taking full hold. And, you know, to lose even more of that connection, you know, to be forced to lose more of that connection in such a, an upfront and, and in-your-face way, it's, it's been a painful change for, for all of us. And I think that's, that's one of the reasons why people want to get back to normal. People want to resist in some ways. And while yeah. there are probably better, better ways of doing it, um, you know, I think that's that's one of the things that people people who who especially those that are in denial that it's even a real thing, they they just want to be able to live their lives like they were and, and you know, we're not in a position where we can. Yeah, I don't think that people are evil for the way that they think. I just think they're misguided. Like I think that they well, some of the people are evil. Like I think MAGA is a, like uh they're being led by somebody who has an agenda, but they're also not looking at the fact that this man has been vaccinated. So it's like so weird that they don't like the vaccine, but they're following somebody who's been vaccinated, whatever. But I, I think to your point, I think people just like kind of want to get back to normal and they're just not doing it the best way, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, the way people are acting now is like, I feel like this pandemic never happened. It's mm-hmm. like this, like sort of like cognitive dissonance. It's so painful. And the one thing that really kind of boggles my mind, I saw a video where a guy didn't was told to put on a mask. He laid down on the ground and refused to move. Hey, Karen. Hey, Karen's husband Ken, and all her family members, her son Jared, and her daughter Becky. You can't tell a private company what to do. Just like you wouldn't go into a store or a gas station without a shirt, something covering your bottom and, and shoes, add masks to that. It's the same fucking thing. Like, why are you so pressed? I don't understand. And also, I don't Joe's understand why point, people are, like, punching, pe- punching people for, like, right. doing their job. And like these like minimum wage workers that are like they don't they don't make the rules and they don't make the also rules. why can't hey. you just you know but you're just gonna get taxed mm-hmm. them because they're there and how dare they say no I to you get it how dare how dare you <laughs> challenge their privilege I just I don't and to Joe's point 
So you're able to tell women to not have abortions, but we're not able to tell you to wear a fucking mask to protect me and yourself. I, I don't I don't understand the 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 thought process. I don't get it, but whatever. Um, well, then you see, like like we were talking, like you mentioned Aaron Rodgers. You know, mm-hmm. there, there's a certain there's a certain disingenuous nature to it, and I I don't want to conflate the arguments and say that everyone who is anti-mask or anti-vax is anti you know is also uh, anti-abortion. I, I certainly don't know right. if that's the case. I, I'm, I'm, that, that's pure conjecture. If if you know if I were to assume that were the case, but I will say this: if you're someone like Aaron Rodgers who has, you know, has essentially flouted all the rules, and then you you get caught, um, like that that's that's pretty embarrassing on his face. But it's also so disingenuous. Mm-hmm. Like you either believe what you believe. Mm-hmm. And you're going to own it and have mm-hmm. some balls or you yeah. don't. And, you know, to me, that's, that's the real frustrating part about it. Like I, I, I never thought I'd be saying this, uh, you know, at, at work where we're about to have, you know, to be faced with this OSHA rule. Um, and we have, you know, and I have to keep track of all this stuff. We have 58% of our, our staff is, is vaccinated. So wow. we're right along, you know, right along the, wow, that's right low. Along the same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. And, and granted, we're, we have offices everywhere. So I expect it to kind of mirror the, the overall, you know, numbers in, in each of those states. And it, it is, it's almost identical. And in Massachusetts, we're much higher than Texas. And, you know, in New York, we're much higher than, uh, than Arizona. So a lot of these places do mirror that the, the, problem is and I was I brought this up when we were having our 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 HR team meeting was you know we have to watch out now for people that are going to present fake vaccination cards because they want oh to my their gosh. job or they don't want to or they don't want to be hassled with you know getting a test every week and the yes. burden is on it is yeah they were doing that in New York yeah no. there's there's no way employers are going to be paying for you know, someone to get a COVID test every week. I mean, can you imagine what kind of expense that would be to a, to employers? So you, you risk you risk losing your job, or you risk, um, you know, you know, having to to go get this this uh, COVID test on your own every week. And people are presenting fake vaccination cards. So I think the rubber's going to be the road, where people yeah. are going to, you know, they're they're. Let's see what the courage of their convictions really is. Are they really willing mm-hmm. to lose their job because they don't want to get vaccinated because of some sincerely held belief, or are they just mm-hmm. going to essentially capitulate and say, you know, I really care about you know my job more than I do about this silly argument? I will say it already happened on daytime soap opera. There's a actor that was fired from General Hospital because he wouldn't comply. So he said, well, I'm leaving the show. So there are people that will do that. Whatever. I love how people were like, I'm not going to miss him. I didn't like his character anyway. <laughs> you knew exactly who I was talking about. Yep. Yeah, and I saw the whole made, like, Twitter soap opera. He made such an enemy of one of his co-stars on Twitter that it's like everybody, you're right. Everyone's like, oh, it's okay. We never liked his character <laughs> anyway. His character hasn't been well-liked in, I want to say, like five years. 
but it's mostly because of him. Um, and it was before, you know, Trump, because he is a Trump supporter, but yeah, it was before that. His, his character just hasn't been the same for a while, but before we wrap up for the night, um, Veronica, Eva Mendez moment and shout out. Well, get, you know, getting to, because I said to my team, like, you must be vaccinated and, like, take precautions and mm-hmm. everything um, mm-hmm. in order for us to do shoots in person. So it's been really nice that, you know, I haven't been separated for, like, almost two years to, like, finally be together with my friends and making comedy mm-hmm. together and doing these shoots and having a really, really great time. So that's been amazing. Nice. I'm so excited for our show, and I hopefully people come out. And then shout out to, of course, my husband, who's my everything, and also, like, he's been mm-hmm. so clutch in, like, helping put these production shoots together because, you know, we don't have money for the stuff, and he's been doing camera work and driving and doing all this amazing stuff because he's so supportive. Um, and also, I want to shout out to educators and people mm-hmm. trying to get educated because um, I've been so devastated today seeing Cornell and Columbia be locked down because stupid domestic terrorists are going around threatening Ivy League schools around the country uh, with bomb threats um, and also threatening, like, yeah, killing uh, with AR-15s and stuff like that. And I, luckily it turned out to be false, um, the threat. Mm-hmm. But it's just horrible that they had to go into lockdown and that we have, you know, to get an education. Like, are we some, like, authoritarian country that doesn't believe in education and that we have to be afraid to get, yeah. <laughs> to go to school now? Like, I don't, this is, I don't, I hate this attack on education and science. Mm-hmm. To the point of like threatening murder or get actually murdering people. Crazy. Um, those are good. Those are good. Um, both of them. Joe, what are your um, Eva Mendez moment and your shout outs? Um, my Eva Mendez moment. I had a nice, nice little date night with the wife last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and. You know, it it was it was fairly normal. You know, going out to a restaurant, you still have the barriers up and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but it was good. It was it was a nice it was a nice night to uh, to go out and spend some time with her and um, you know remember all the uh, important things that are important to us and, um, and the things that still have meaning, like quality time with the people that you love. So um, I feel like that was uh, a very a very nice. A nice moment for this week, and um, you know, while it seems relatively mundane under most circumstances, I think right now it, it um, it's one of those things that has a little extra meaning. Um, a shout out is 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 actually to um, to the to the government for passing this infrastructure bill. I didn't mm-hmm. think it was going to happen. Um, I, I I was fairly confident that they were not going to be able to pass it, but they did. And much to my surprise, so good, good on them for uh, for actually doing their job. Um, I hope that you know at some point we have more faith in our institutions, and mm-hmm. that they also live up to that faith and do their job the way that they're supposed to, which is um, you know to help the American people and not just have these political motivations that stall everything and create massive gridlock. So I'm happy that um, that they got something done. Now, 
because they passed the infrastructure bill, do you think that they're going to pass the Build Back Better? Mm. Um, not in its present form. Yeah. What do you think needs to change? I think... I, do you think that they're going to allow – this is my big thing. Do you think that they're going to allow that um, taxing people over 400000 Because that is the main part of the bill. That pays for the bill. So you think that that I will go through? I think there's going to be this constant pushback and delay in, mm-hmm. you know, in getting it done. I think it will probably end up tying into um, – you know, another government shutdown and yeah. you know, being held hostage over, you know, some silly, you know, quibbling over numbers. Um, but mm-hmm. no, I, I don't think it's going to pass in its present form. And I think that's one of the the, the examples that I was talking about, about the, the gridlock and the nonsensical way that uh, that our, our Senate and, and House are, are governing right now. Um, Mm. It's completely ineffective. They're not helping mm-hmm. the American people, and we're you know we're the ones who suffer through this. And it's uh, yep. it's it's really unfortunate that we can't pass something that would be good for all people because someone's worried about um, you know a couple extra bucks coming out of their you know their their trust fund or whatever their their right. massive uh, payout from from a stock sale or whatever it is. And what? Crazy well, they me. don't want it to pass because it's like one-sided. They want it to, because they want to win the midterm, yeah. so they need to not, have nothing happen. Exactly. And they don't. They don't want to upset their big benefactors, and they don't want to upset the people that they're trying to smooth. You know, if they have taxes on the rich, those are the the friends and influencers that that keep them employed. So. Weird. Um, does it does all the lobbying? Yeah. Um, can we guess? Emmy? Yeah. Can, Eva, can we oh. guess her in this moment? <laughs> no, it's not what you think, Missy. Okay. She's actually listening right now. Um, <laughs> my my Eva Mendez moment is actually. Um, I have I, I watch the talk all the time. You guys know it. And Natalie Morales had said on the talk, the conversation was about Shakira and how she had like a, a bad hair moment. And she dyed her hair a certain color right before the Super Bowl and she didn't like it. So Natalie had said, you know, when I was, you know, starting out my career, I had given myself a bad bottle job and it was really, really dark. And so I ended up finding the picture online, and I tweeted it to Natalie. And I said, hi, I found goth Natalie, because that's what she called it. She said I was really goth looking. I had, like, really, really, really dark hair, and my skin looks really pale. So I said um, my actual tweet was, I found goth Natalie. I'm sure she worked nights. And... um they ended up bringing up my tweet on the show and they shouted me out by name twice. And I was like stunned. I was stunned and I was so excited. And I tweeted out the, um, the video of them first Akbar, one of the hosts had said, you know, 
we have to give shout out to our eagle-eyed viewer, Emmy Morgan, for finding this goth Natalie, and he read my tweet. And then Natalie even said, you know, I was so shocked. She found it right away. And, you know, shout out to Emmy Morgan. And I'm like, I'm famous, y'all. So that was my Eva <sighs> Mendez moment. I was, so cool. I was famous You're for viral. a second. <laughs> I went viral. And I got a cup, not a ton, but I got a couple more follows that day. So I was really excited. And a couple people were like, ooh, you're good at finding stuff. Hey, I know a couple of guys I want to find info. <laughs> it was quite funny. I told my sister my stocking skills came in handy for once. Um, yeah. Um, my shout-out, again, it's not what you think. My shout-out goes to my friend, actor, Paz Salim, who played the husband, his name was Ben in the movie, of, of uh, Brian Tyree Henry in Eternal. I am so over the moon excited for him. Paz, his, again, his role was very small, but it, it packed a wallop. It was so good. And I just loved it. I, I loved, I don't know, I, I loved everything about it. And he even spoke Lebanese in it. And ah, I just, I loved it. I was so happy to see him on screen. And of course, when I'm watching it with Dietrich the first time, my nephew, I go, um, oh my God, D, that's my friend. <laughs> He's like, that's cool. Um, yeah, I was that person. God, I need to shut up in the movie theater. But sometimes I get overly excited. But whatever. But yeah, that's that's my shout out. So take that, Veronica. Not what you thought. Well, we'll give a shout out to your friends. Oh for my god. Me oh my god. She's net, she's, she's glowing. Oh my God! She can't, guys. She can't even see me. Don't believe. Her. I mean, believe her. I am. Listen, but. if you listen to the beginning of the show, you'll hear the giddiness. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's. You can't argue it. So, anyways, um, I can't stand you, John. <laughs> see, that's just me. Thank you, everyone, for listening to our late-night show. I, I appreciate you hanging in with us. And next week, we might have a special guest speaker. So excited about that. But um, for now, take care. Have a great week. And thank you all for listening. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Still thirsty for more tea? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Spilled Tea PC. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Spilled Tea.